Welcome to Paintbrush and Ivories, the podcast for artists, curious creatives, and art lovers that connects creativity with the heart and soul. I'm Michelle Walker, and I'm here with my creative soul sister, Jennifer Ruth Russell. Hi, Jennifer. Hey, Michelle. How wonderful to be here with you again. Hello, hello. So today we're going to be picking up on a topic that we started back in episode four, which was money, profits, and scarcity gremlins, because I think we left quite a lot that we wanted to cover um, with our listeners. And that's all about this money thing, the energy of money, the experience of money. What's your thoughts about this extra bit that we're gonna be covering today, Jen? I think it's up for all of us, no matter what we do uh, in the world, is uh, really getting our money experience cleansed and healed uh, so that we can really get on with what we're here to do. Yeah. Make yeah. more art make more music, yeah. make more beauty in the world. Yeah, bring more of that into the world. And it is a bit of a fraught topic for a lot of creatives, the whole topic of money. I guess I just want to share briefly, a couple of years back, I did a year's study around money because I felt drawn to helping people connect to their creativity. And one of the first things I encountered in that process of coaching people was the money piece. And I think of it as a piece of the jigsaw puzzle, but a really mm -hmm. important one. And in a way, understanding money can be a bit of a portal to understanding other things that we've got going on for us and maybe where we're holding ourselves back. Mm -hmm. It seems to be connected to almost everything. And I think also, because I think of artists, musicians, healers, shaman, practitioners of the healing arts, you know, I feel all of us are light workers. I call the all of us a, as a collective light workers. And this is up for us. You know, this is up. We're ready to graduate into a whole new way of being around money. And as I said, clean it up, clean up our yeah. money blueprint, which I, I call it money blueprint. So yes, yeah. talking about blueprint is really true, because some of our experiences around money come from the DNA of our family and what our family set up for us. And I know in episode four, we talked a bit about this, but I think that that's really good to remind ourselves that we don't just create these money experiences in a vacuum. They come from what we've learned at the kitchen table. And what are in the cells of our body. I'm gonna take it either, even further than that, that we have inherited this earth knowledge and most of us have come up from that place of deprivation in some kind of form or another. And our parents did, our grandparents did. I mean, it goes back forever and ever. And I need to say this just out loud before we begin into the details that most of our money hangups, I really believe they don't really even belong to us. I mean, we, can, we have to deal with them, but when you come at it from that place that, hey, this isn't my money stuff, this is like, generations this is like the tribal this is like earth deprivation that is ready to be i call it transmuted which means it changes from a lower lower energy to being free freedom so so i'd love to hear some of your wisdom let's start i would love to share so the first element that i wanted to cover today is really talking about money not being a singular thing and this part of the learning for me around the money piece was so profound that there are actually at least four, possibly five different types of money in our lives. So what does that mean? And I guess 
So for example, the types of money that I'm talking about are income and debt and savings as examples. And what's important to know is that we can have different experiences of those different types of money and we can have different beliefs that we hold. One of the, I guess, just stepping back for a second, the reason that I find this so important and worthy of spending possibly an episode talking about it is because I always came to money at a much more loftier level. Like I would talk about abundance and prosperity and I'm I'm being a bit sort of facetious in that and I don't mean it in that way, but it's when you have to pay your gas bill on Monday, you need to have the money in your bank hard cash. And sometimes lofty concepts of abundance don't pay your gas bill on Monday. And so I feel like we can operate at multiple levels when we talk about money and abundance, but we also need to have this very specific pointy end of the stick piece, if you like, around the money and the types of money. Because this is, you know, if we can be proficient across all those scales, that's the way that we can clean up the whole of our money, abundance, prosperity, peace, and be more in the world and more capable. So that's, I guess, a bit of a a mental frame. I don't know if you've got any thoughts about those differences between, say, abundance, prosperity, and money as in cash in the bank. I have simplified the whole thing, and I'm going to share it later. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've simplified it all for myself, so I'll share a little bit about that later. Okay. So Keep going. Yeah, we'll do. So let's talk about the different types of money. And, I, you know, the first one's income, right? How much money can we earn as artists? And the different, I know there are different ways that we can earn. But when I think about income, it's really very strongly linked to, you know, whether or not we think it's enough and how we feel about ourselves as a result. Mm-hmm. So if you think about the income that you earned the last, over the last month or maybe the last year, and I might just invite people if you're listening and you've got the ability, you're not driving, you're not listening to me while listening to us while we're, you're walking, you might want to grab a piece of paper and a pen and play along because this is a bit of a play along type activity we could do. So if you write down how much you earned over the last month or the last year, first of all, do you know that number? And if not, are you vaguing out on the whole money piece? So that's an initial question. And I know we talked about vagueness in episode four. I know that was something we spoke about. It's really good to be really clear. And when we look at that number, how do we feel about that number? Does it feel abundant or does it feel kind of small? And what happens when we have that experience of that feeling? So I'll leave that open for a second while people think about that. Would you like to share yours, Jennifer? Not the number. Not the number. <laughs> I don't want to know your number. You no, know, I'm looking. I'm looking at the number. I'm looking at the number, and I'm, I'm feeling like good about it. It feels good. It feels awesome. sufficient. Yeah, great. But it doesn't. It doesn't feel full. Okay. Which is so interesting. There's room I'm to noticing grow. Noticing that it, there's absolutely room to go. It feels like yeah, I'm not suffering here at all, but I feel that there's. Um, opportunity for growth. Yeah, beautiful. So 
people listening, you might have a different experience from Jennifer. You may feel like you've got more than enough. So at the other end of the Mm -hmm. spectrum, and you might feel like Jennifer, that it's sufficient and you feel taken care of. You may also feel something more along the lines of frustration or even disappointment. And probably the strongest emotion might be shame. That's just really important to notice and see where you're at with your income. One of the things that I found most interesting when I was working with the clients that I worked with one-on-one was income is so incredibly linked to how we see ourselves as our worth. And I'm probably speaking from, I guess, similar cultures to yours and mine, Jennifer. I'm not saying that I've worked with people in in Asia and Middle East and sort of parts where there might be different cultural expectations. But as a woman who's educated, who's been out there in the world, who has a job, who has her own business, this can be a challenge because we can set ourselves up for income to equal worthiness. I was amazed that when I started keeping track of my money, that my belief in how much was coming in was not equal to the amount that was coming in. Oh, I was interesting. There was more coming in that I realized. Ah, so your belief around it was there was not enough? Was there a bit of a not enough belief? Yeah, yeah the not enough piece, I think, resides deep within ourselves, most yeah. of us. Yeah. Yeah. I know, you know, I really believe what you said at your opening comments about this being genetic, the beautiful fact of science catching up with the reality that what was considered to be junk DNA actually carries genetic memory. And I think poverty Mm -hmm. and starvation is in our genetic body. And so we can, we can, if we've had it triggered, can really tap into the not enough, not enough, not enough can become a bit of a mantra. So that is a really good advertisement right there for getting very detailed and very specific about tracking your money. What you just said. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Let's be be surprised. Yeah, let's be clear. Let's be really crystal Mm -hmm. clear. So I just in terms of wrapping the idea of income as our first type of money is just be really conscious about what this level of income means about you as a person, because we do translate it to who we are. And I think we just need to be conscious. Income can be worthiness. I'll just share, for me, I've recently changed up the way I am in the world with my working life. And some of you will know that I've embraced my artistry full time. And that means stepping back from my consulting business. And it also means, or has meant, my um, ability to get really clear about how much do I need to pay my bills and therefore I don't need to put the pressure on myself to earn all that consulting money. There was a bit of a shadow for me in doing all of that, which made me kind of almost feel like I was kind of contracted around the letting go of the consultancy because there was this, this is who I am. I'm out there in mm-hmm. the world. I'm a, I'm a serious, you know, like I, I, I can stand my own two feet business wise and earn an income. What if I take that income earning level 
or status away what happens to to me and I really I was conscious of it it didn't hook me too deeply I was able to let it go fairly quickly and I but I thought that was interesting despite all the work I've done around money and the fact I've coached others around money it was still there for me so that was really I guess a bit of a profound noticing around income equals who I am in the world I really believe that our worthiness has nothing to do with the amount of money that is in the bank. It has absolutely nothing. In fact, money is not our definition. We are not our money. No. And I think that's one of the big separations between third dimensional and fifth dimensional thinking. Yeah. That we used to think it all has to do with either the man we're with or our ability to make money, but it's no longer true. No longer true. Yeah. This is a beautiful segue into the next type of money, which is income goals. And your response to the number is exactly what we want to talk about, which is we're earning this amount and some of us have desires to see that grow. We might be in the beginning or the middle of our careers and we might want to continue to expand because we know that that gets us certain things might get us more freedom it might get us more time with our families or more time with our creative practice so income goals when you think about your current level of income knowing that you've if you didn't already know the number you've raced off and found out what that number is have a think about what would be the next step for you so if you were to sort of take your income to the next level that would get you to something that you would really like to have in your world. What would that next level of income look like? So, you know, if I'm if I'm earning five or ten thousand every six months, what would I like to earn in the next six months? Or if I'm earning a certain amount last year, what would I like to see as that expansion that's really in line with the growth that we're having? as artists, as creatives, musicians. So if you have a look at that and write down what that number, so I'm not talking about wild, crazy numbers, just the next step for you, what feels kind of doable. And then once you've written down the number, have a think about what that would mean. Would that mean an extra holiday with your beloved or your family? Would it mean being able to make extra payment off a loan that you might have or do a course or a learning opportunity for you and something you're really interested in. So just knowing what that next level income goal would be. And then have a think about when you look at that number, how strongly do you feel like you can do it? How, how within your reach is it? How do you feel like it means working a lot more hours? So just have a think about how possible it feels and how much you feel like you deserve it. So how did you go with some of those questions, Jennifer? Actually, they excited me. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. 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 Really. I love, I love those questions. Were you kind of able to identify something that you would be able to have in your world if you were able to get that goal? Yeah, yes. something really more key. travel. Yeah, yeah, more travel, living in more beauty. That's a deep desire mm-hmm. of mine to live mm-hmm. in uh, an environment of beauty and nature. And of course, traveling to beautiful places. I love traveling. Yeah. Love traveling. Yeah, yeah. In the post-COVID world, 
It's an interesting concept. Mm -hmm. I normally do ask people. <laughs> I, I normally do ask people. I'm sorry, I just. Would it mean an overseas holiday for you? And I just jumped over that because <laughs> I don't know that Australia's in lockdown. We don't look like getting out of this country for another year. <laughs> I know, but there's still opportunities within the country, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay, so I want to talk about a concept that relates to income goals that people may not have struck, and that's this idea of a set point. And I'm not sure how relatable this is, but I just want to give it a bit of a go, go because we did talk a bit about this in episode four to do with what your family earned and what you, are, what you consider to be within the norms. Because we know that we like to stay within what's acceptable to our tribe. And we can have the legacy of what was true for us in growing up days. But some people definitely transition out of that tribe into other tribes and are fine with making lots of money. But just have a think about what that means for you. And a set point says that if I earn too much money, problems can happen. And the same is true for too little money. But we have this sort of comfort ba band, if you like, of which we tend to oscillate around might earn a little bit more one year, a little bit less, but we tend to be within that band. And that band relates to our set point of what's comfortable and safe. And this is not a conscious thinking process. This is absolutely in our survival brain. And that's why I relate it back to sometimes it can be what you learnt at your kitchen table with your family of origin. So income goals, set points, try this activity look at the number which was your income goal for the next level and I want you to double it and write down that number and then notice what when you look at that number notice if you feel anything in your body do you get any reaction do you get any thoughts emerging and just notice that experience of doubling that income goal and check in with yourself about how realistic do you feel like or how possible do you feel like that number is for you and whether or not you could do it and whether or not you deserve it and whether or not there's a belief in there that it would probably be really hard. So how did the doubling of it go for you, Jen? I really like the idea of it, but I realized that my solar plexus started doing some flip-flops mm. of wow, could I handle that much responsibility? Because I feel like it would be more responsibility. Can I handle that level of integrity? Because I know I like to be in integrity around my money. So I guess that's still the responsibility piece. Could I, could I take care, good care of that money? And it does blow out the missionary thinking. You know, it does blow out the old church mouse. <laughs> it's like, oh, wait about me, what about me? You know, it's it's kind of like I can feel that there's a lot of churning going on mm. in, you know, in my body and in my mind. Mm. I don't doubt that I deserve it. That's good. And I can feel that it's just an ancient, an ancient feeling in my belly. Mm. And solar plexus is really all about who we are in this in this life, isn't it? It's our identity. Mm -hmm that identity hook that you've got with the missionary child and your missionary family about poverty, about that being 
close to godliness is mm-hmm. is really probably still an aspect of you that exists. Yes, and also, you know, being um, a spiritual leader as a woman has a lot to do with that as well, because I was raised with, you know, that the men, the spiritual leaders, and, you know, to earn a lot of money as a spiritual leader, that just busts all kinds of myths in my whole system, <laughs> which I love to do. Which I, Reverend Michael called, be, our belief systems are our BS, right? It's our BS, our belief systems are meant to be gone beyond, right? They're not who we really are. Yeah, and that's part of sort of working through the different types of money with the sort of prompting questions is giving us an idea into what some of the BS might be. And And if you're listening to this and you feel like, something's just really shifted in you like Jennifer's flip-flop in her solar plexus and you're feeling uncomfortable about some of the thoughts or emotions that have just been moved, you can always tap, and this is using the emotional freedom technique. If you're not familiar with it, you can get lots of resources online, but the easiest thing to do is to tap on your karate point, which is the side of your hand that if you were to do a karate move on a piece of wood would be that part of the hand that you put down. So you can just tap with the fingertips of your other hand. And I won't dive into tapping an emotional freedom technique here, but just know that this is a way of settling down your nervous system, which we've just given a little bit of a touch up to. Let's dive into money type number three, which is savings. In talking about savings, first of all, the question is, do you know how much is in your bank account? And when you write down the number, when you think about what assets you've got, write down the number of that, if you can, or roughly what it might be. And then looking at that number, just be aware of what feelings come up. You know, you might feel really taken care of, or feeling really satisfied with that number, or alternatively, there may be some feelings of anxiety that there's just not enough tucked away. Because safety is the big thing for savings. Savings is all about a buffer from life's traumas. You know, if you were like me, you may have had, you know, put a little bit about way for the rainy day. You know, the rainy day is the trauma in life where maybe you lose a job or have an unexpected bill. So that's what savings is all about. Different from income, different energy, different set of beliefs and emotions often. So savings, a buffer from life's traumas. I think of it as a nest. Yeah. A nest around me, you know, and it is a safety nest, but I love thinking about that as a as a little chick comes out of the egg that there's a beautiful nest there of protection and and nurture. Mm. Protection is a great word. I worked with a woman who used to call it her clear out fund. So she had to have a minimum amount in her account. And didn't matter what happened, that stayed as a minimum amount. And it was due to her story of finding herself in her very early 20s, almost penniless with a newborn. And she declared to the world, made a vow to herself, she would never, ever be in that situation again. And so she has this clear out fund. And when I worked with her, I asked her to imagine the clear out fund 
was empty and that pulled up some really deep levels of worry for her immediately high levels of anxiety because of her experience and so we were able to work through that with her and she realized she's incredibly prolific in her work very professional totally able to replace that clear out fund but just imagining that it was gone was enough to really cause her concern and i think that that is is wonderful to know and great for her to recognize that yeah actually i've got income and i'm good and i can replenish that without any trouble at all when we first talked about her savings she was sitting really well you know she had a really very healthy savings account so when we dived in a little bit deeper that's where we found the hook for her to clear that aspect of what she had associated with savings. How about you? How do savings show up for you? You know, savings, Mother Mary had something to say about savings, which I thought was really interesting, that savings is like a lake, not like the flowing river. So it can also be a stagnant energy, mm. which is interesting. If you're living at a high level of trust and you don't have any savings, don't worry about it. That's basically what she said, (laughs) because it is kind of something that we have created to feel safe in this world. And there really isn't any safety on that level in this world. Mm. In, Mm. in my, in my knowing it, the safety lies in who you are that you are always going to be taken care of, no matter what trauma comes up in your face. And that's where the strength of working through what beliefs and emotions we might have attached to these different levels of money and being able to clear that, being able to, you know, and the first step in that is to just be aware that you do have that attachment or that belief. All right, let's dive into the fourth one, debt. How much do you owe? And we know there's good debt and bad debt, and we can have a whole conversation from a sort of a financial point of view. But just if you write down the number that relates to how much you owe, and it may be car loan, credit cards, housing loan, student debt, what might that number look like? If you don't know that number, here's an opportunity to go and find it out. And then once you do what does your inner voice say to you? You know, what, what do you say to yourself when you look at that number? And sometimes if it's low, people can feel really accomplished. But even if it's low, people might still have some negative emotions around debt. They might have, depending on their beliefs about whether debt's good or bad, whether debt can be okay in their world. So some people can have anxiety around debt or even sadness. How do you think about debt? I think about debt very differently than I used to think about debt. Debt will take on a vibration that we are allowed to choose. So I think it's really good to get in touch with the vibration that debt holds for you and then make a decision of what you'd like it to be for you. Debt change from being a burden. And I I talk to many people around their financial lives uh, and what they want and It's interesting because when you ask somebody, well, what's your vision of true wealth and abundance? And instead of talking about the the vision, they'll go to, oh, I wanna get out of debt. 
I think that's part of the vision, but it's like not the provision of the vision, right? It is debt has a hold on people that is like, if I could just get this monkey off back, if I could get this burden to fall away, then I would be okay. And I think it's really important to decide what you want your debt to mean to you and what vibration you want it to carry. Because if it is carrying a negative vibration, it's not going to move because all to me, all money and all of what we're talking about, it has to be in motion. It has to be moving because it's a it's a the law of circulation. It comes in, it goes out. And if debt is just sitting there like a huge debt on your back, it's time to change that. And I had a beautiful gift given to me of a loan unexpected from a, somebody that didn't want to charge me any interest. And when I was paying back, I wouldn't even call it a debt, that love gift. Mm, mm. It felt like such a juicy thing every month that I sent my check to her. I made sure I got a beautiful card. It was like a love affair. Mm. So you really are able to choose what you want debt to be in your life. Yeah. Because we all live with it in some form or another, because that's the way this world works. I mean, I always used to say, look at Donald Trump. He declared bankruptcy like six times before he became president of the United States. He obviously did not let his debt stop him from his desire of being the president of the United States. So <laughs> not that he's my really wisdom keeper, but no. you know, I just have to say that out loud. <laughs> That's an unusual um, person to call into this episode, um, but totally appropriate. <laughs> That's a great positive experience around debt that you just described. And I, you reminded me of a beautiful situation that I had too, where I bought my a unit on my own and my beloved mother gave me some cash to get myself over the requirement that the bank had for mortgage insurance. So it just meant I could get the loan without any problem whatsoever. Many fewer hoops to jump through. And it was a good sizable loan. I used to love every month sending mum money into her account. And I paid it down really quickly because I just felt so grateful and I just felt so cherished by that debt. That was beautiful. I know debt doesn't always have that energy. So some people end up with debt as a result of something maybe going wrong, like for example, a, a business going belly up. And so the debt can have a different energy. It can be about disappointment or even um, shame. And so just have a feel into the debt that you carry and what that means and the relationship and the sort of connection that you have in your life with that level of debt. And it's good to notice and to be able to do something about it if it is a negative. Okay, awesome. So I'm mindful to get to the fifth one and then be able to wrap this because I don't want this to be an inordinately long episode, but we always knew it was going to be a rich episode, didn't we? Yes. The fifth type is not something everyone has. The first four types of money, income, income goals, savings and debt, most people have in their life. But the fifth type is called toxic money. And I'll just give you a bit of an explainer about it because it might not be um, immediately apparent. And this is my definition. And then Jen, I'll invite you to have a bit of a say about your view. But toxic money is where you feel like you've been cheated out of an amount of money. So perhaps there's been a wrangle in a family inheritance where you felt like you didn't get what you deserved or you had some kind of legal action might be around 
compensation type claim and you didn't feel like you got what you deserved. And the other type of toxic money is where there might be some kind of negative battle around the getting of it. And call this example, I'm often thinking about might be family payments or alimony or something like that, where there's this enormous battle with another soul to get that money that you feel like you deserve. And if you have a situation like that, you, you know, really does call for some healing around your money because that can actually influence all other types of money in your life. It can be so strong. Toxic money. What does that mean to you, Jennifer, when I use that phrase? You know, I want to just speak into this. To me, what is required is forgiveness. Absolutely. Forgiveness on a, on a really deep level. And I'm grateful that we're doing this today because it's the same day that I created a financial forgiveness morning light meditation. And it really is all about releasing from the cells of our bodies and our, and our soul memory. Because there have been centuries of betrayal of deprivation, of poverty, someone withholding money from you, somebody using money in a way uh, to manipulate you, you know, and to me, letting go of the past and forgiving your money experience, as Mother Mary said, it is well worth the effort uh, because forgiveness always comes release and freedom. So if you want some help with this i just invite you to look on morning light meditations and it's gonna it's published on uh, august the 6th 2021 it's just called financial forgiveness if you need a little help with clearing out that toxic money if it has brought up anything that you feel uncomfortable about or you've noticed there's some possibly some negative feelings and thinking that you might have around any of the types of so toxic money or your income goals or debt doesn't matter i really recommend going and finding jennifer's financial healing morning light meditation because that will help you shift the energy that you're carrying so i'm i'm really grateful to be able to share this material and i'm doing it as a certified tapping into wealth coach because I did a year of study with Margaret Lynch and this is what part of what I've learnt with her at her teachings and really grateful to be able to share it with you as listeners, hoping that it helps you move forward with your dance in the world and expand into what you know you can create and perhaps allow you to bring more of yourself and your freedom into the work that you're doing if you have this freedom from your money worries or your perhaps your limitations around money so jennifer i know you've as well as your morning light meditations you've got some other resources that people can use so tell us about that you know mother mary has definitely mentored me in allowing abundance to flow in my life and written some books through me and one of them i have as a, as a special for anyone that wants it to take it at any time, it's called 21 Days Abundance Activation with Mother Mary and really allows you to intimately come into the heart space and rework your financial life right there. And it's always available. So we'll leave that link here in the, the episode. Beautiful. Yeah, thank, thank you. you, Michelle. So I'm very grateful, Jennifer. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you everyone for listening. 
and we'll sign off now. Bye for now. Bye for now.